Hello and welcome in to the GamecockScoop.com podcast. I started off a little bit weird because I accidentally shared the screen earlier than I meant to. I'm still figuring out how to host this stuff all the time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast. We are the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com. You should go check that out. There's tons of free and premium content every single week previewing the games. Uh, we're about to get into basketball season. It's going to get really crazy over there. Um, we should have a story actually later today or tomorrow on Gigi Jackson's SEC Media Day appearance, which was this week. Um, and then, yeah, obviously we're talking lots of football right now. Um, I'm Caleb Alexander. I'm joined by Alan Cole, who is the GamecockScoop.com beat reporter. And, yeah, we got a big week ahead of us, um, really from a bunch of different angles. It's a big recruiting week for football and basketball. It's obviously a huge opportunity to get a big home win coming off of a the first win over the ranked over a ranked team uh, in Kentucky last week and then coming off the bye week. Um, and yeah, you, I mean, we, we talked on Sunday or Monday, eight people came out. Um, South Carolina is like fourth in the receiving votes category. So they're what's in that 29th or so. Um, so yeah, opportunity to hop in the top 25, get a big home win at night. State fair is in now. Um, should be a huge weekend, great environment. Um, but before we get to the game, we start off every episode talking about recruiting, recruiting. Um, tomorrow I'll have the weekly recruiting wrap up on GamecockScoop.com. Uh, I do that every Friday. It's really good. Usually filled with some inside info. Like if you would have read that three weeks ago, you would have already known that Maisie O'Bennett was going to go to Tennessee far before we talked about it on here and before he announced that last week, which, you know, we talked about that on the last podcast. If you want to talk about how much that impacts the 2024 class and, um, you know, whether or not they're going to give up on him, all that stuff. But anyway, this weekend is a new day. Um, so the biggest person on campus actually this weekend is probably on the basketball side. Um, Cam Scott is a 2024 five-star guard out of Lexington. We've talked throughout about how immediately Lamont Paris and his staff have emphasized in-state recruiting. Um, both of the 2023 recruits that they have at the moment are from South Carolina. And um, obviously they landed Gigi Jackson in kind of a surprise when he reclassified earlier this summer. Um, so yeah, this is another sort of cog in that machine. They really need to land him. I think that they are probably the favorite right now to land him, but it's still, you know, going to be a tough one. It's hard to get a five-star to come to campus. Um, so we will have some review of how that visit went next week. Um, but that's a huge one to kind of keep on your radar. From the football side, there's actually a ton of visitors this weekend. I'm not going to run down every single one. You should check out the weekly recruiting wrap up tomorrow in which I will run down as many as I can get a hold of and, you know, hear from someone's mom or someone's cousin that they're <laughs> going to be there or whatever. Um, and also there's a bunch of new offers that have gone out that will be included in the weekly recruiting rundown as well. Is that what I call it? Weekly recruiting wrap up. Yeah. Not rundown. Um, I don't know. They, they all rhyme. They all, it sounds the same. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but a couple that I did kind of want to put on your radar. So we've talked about him a couple of times. I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast yet, but I've definitely talked about him several times uh, on GamecockScoop.com. Terrence Love uh, is a DB recruit that is currently committed to Auburn, um, but he is very much someone that the staff has been emphasizing, and he's going to be on campus this weekend, or he's supposed to be on campus this weekend for the Texas A&M game. That's definitely one to look out for, especially as Auburn continues to, you know, will they, won't they with um, <laughs> firing Brian Harson? It kind of feels like an inevitability at this point. Yes. And if that does happen, you have to think that some of their recruits are going to start looking around. Um, we mentioned back when Jaden Robinson, who was kind of a safety linebacker, probably projected more as a linebacker, um, flipped from South Carolina to Florida. The Terrence Love is kind of, the replacement piece there that uh, that the staff immediately started looking at. Um, and then, of course, the other 2023 recruit that's still left on the board is Nicholas Harbor, which we haven't heard a ton on lately, but I know he's visiting LSU 
sometime in the next it it tomorrow? They, got, they got a home game tomorrow it might be this week I'll, I'll i'll have that ready to go by tomorrow morning um one way or another um but yeah that's pretty much the two pieces in the 2023 class that i have to focus on right now there's still a few more um there's a there's another juco d lineman um that's going to be tough to get but they're focusing on but anyway uh and then another big name to kind of look for is 2024 running back scuda carry anthony scuda carry um he's a four-star out of tampa um actually interviewed him back in april and it was really it's like you know you if you do I'll, I'll give you a peek behind the curtain of how these things go right you're you're reaching out to these kids that are like 16 to 18 years old sometimes like 14 years old i, I did a uh, interview with amari adams who's a 2026 recruit or something, you know, or 2025. Um, but anyway, uh, you reach out to these kids and sometimes they won't say anything. Sometimes they're like, oh, I'm not really interested or, you know, you'll, you'll do an interview. This is the first time that I remember that um, Anthony was like, yeah, I will, but give my YouTube channel a follow and tweet it <laughs> out. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, I'll do that, man, whatever. Um, but I was like, hey, entrepreneurial spirit. I like that. He's... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he took advantage of that situation. We got the interview done. Um, he's getting sort of courted by all of the major programs in the Southeast. So it's going to be tough, but it's always good to get him on campus again. Um, and he spoke highly of the staff back then. So they're just continuing to try to solidify that relationship. So that'll be one to, to keep your eye on. Um, another 2024 guy, um, that I did not write down, um, in our notes, but just sorry. Um, great podcasting right here where I'm staring at my phone. But um, anyway, so the um, man, I, whatever. It'll be in the weekly recruiting rundown. Someone just set a commitment date, and I can't think of who it is right now. Um, no. Gamecockscoop.com tomorrow morning. Gamecockscoop.com tomorrow morning. I'll have it in there. Uh, and then the other recruiting news that we have before we get into the Texas A&M game is that women's basketball landed guard Tessa Johnson, who is the number 25 ranked player in the class of 2023, according to ESPN. Rivals doesn't do women's basketball rankings yet, um, maybe one day. Um, so we do tend to go out of brand or whatever for, for those rankings. Uh, she's also ranked the number one player in Minnesota, has some good film. So that's the second um, class of 2023 birdie in the nest or whatever for um, Don Staley. Did did you look up anything on Johnson, uh, Alan? Did you see anything? I uh, just it's you know highly rated. It's another Don Staley. I think she's a four star recruit officially, but top 25 player. Um, it was Baylor and one other school. I'm blanking now. It was but Baylor was also in the mix in her um, final three. She committed. I guess that would have been Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how the rest of this class, cause this was kind of a late start for Dawn. They didn't even have any commits until I think was it two weeks ago. And now they've got a couple. I'm interested to see how the rest of this kind of shakes out. By the way, while you were saying all of that, I did, uh, remember who I was talking about a second ago. So Jaden Ball is a 2024 recruit. He is committing on November 4th. I'm still trying to get a feel on if that's going to be, um, one that South Carolina has a shot on or not, but um, they were definitely in the mix for him early on. Um, but so are a lot of teams. So that's one that we'll kind of keep you posted in as we get closer to that November 4th date. All right. Whew. Lots of recruiting. A lot of recruiting um, stuff this week. Yeah. I mean, you had the bye week. So um, a lot of the coaches went out and visited. I know, um, for example, Clayton White visited Pup Howard. I don't know. We had a whole breakdown of that last week in the weekly recruiting wrap up uh, but yeah this is the first time in two three weeks that they've uh had a home game so there there's going to be a lot of momentum and visitors and all that stuff to cover tomorrow um all right let's get into some of the major news of the week and i guess the biggest place to start off is um so like tuesday night um one of monday our night. monday night one of our staff members kind of like gave us like a, hey, uh, RJ Roderick's probably not going to be back. And then, of course, that was confirmed on Tuesday by Shane Beamer. Um, so 
I mean, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, Shane Beamer kind of said the same thing where he's like, you know, RJ Roderick's going to go going to speak for himself. Um, and as, as far as I know, he hasn't tweeted anything or anything like that. Mm. So haven't seen that yet, but presumably uh, he's played in three games. He winged his red shirt. He would probably is probably planning on transferring somewhere else, even though he's a senior because he's got that red shirt year. Um, but we'll see what that happens. But either way, no longer part of the team um, kind of got usurped by Nick Amonwari whenever he was out uh, for his in- injury. And then uh, you've had guys like DQ Smith and David Spaulding both play pretty well in spots at the safety position. Uh, at the same time, you would have kind of liked to have the depth. I mean, RJ Rogers got a, despite, you know, maybe his physical limitations, he's maybe not quite as talented as M.M. Worry. Um, he's got a lot of experience and it would have been nice to have that in the rotation or whatever, but he's moving on. Um, so I don't know. Did, you get anything else on that was it Beaver didn't want to speak for him um regarding the depth that is it is interesting you say that though because we saw the Kentucky game Roderick didn't play excuse me Reed didn't play they were down to Eamon Worry you know Spalding and DQ Smith but that's not an area they're particularly deep I mean we saw the Georgia game when it was was it BJ Gibson had to come in for a few snaps and even Worry was in the medical tent um it's not a super deep or experienced safety group at all. And maybe not this weekend. We'll get to it in a bit, but there are passing games left on the schedule that we'll be able to test that. Yeah. I mean, it is a testament that you have a lot of youngsters that have stepped up. You got the two freshmen in MM Warrior and DQ Smith and then David Spaulding, who, um, you know, had to kind of played sparingly started off the season injured um but had a, a really good game against kentucky um forced that fumble on the second play or third play from scrimmage or whatever it was um it's the first play first play yeah um and then uh Devani reed has been very solid there so i imagine he'll keep getting in it'll be like a maybe 1a 1b situation with him and spalding um because dq smith has really played a lot at nickel unless they're gonna put Cam Smith back at nickel. I don't know. But either way, um, the DB room, you would say like the starting five is really, really solid right now based on the experience uh, that they've gotten on the first half of the season. But like you said, very thin. So if any of those guys go down, which we've seen happen (laughs) throughout this year, um, then it gets really sketchy without Roderick back there. Yeah. And that's, again, that's, they are pretty healthy right now, you know, going through the rest of the injuries, kind of uh, Corey Rucker will not play Saturday. Um, Terrell Dawkins will not play Saturday. I don't think either of those were expected. Rucker had a re-aggravation of his injury, um, according to Beamer. And Dawkins, we know he's been out with the knee since, what was that, SC State game, I think. Um, and he also said that Christian Beal Smith wasn't, he ran through, he said everybody was probable except maybe Christian Beal Smith. Um, what does that mean for Alex Huntley? What does that mean for Devonnie Reed? He didn't play against Kentucky. I I don't know. Maybe we learn more on Carolina calls tonight in about three hours. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of have to get to the stadium and see. You know, we didn't really know Reed was going to be out the Kentucky game until Beamer said it in his um, pregame show that day with Todd Ellis. Um, you would really, really like to have Boogie Huntley back in this game if you're South Carolina, given where A&M's strengths are and what they're going to try to do to you. Um, but it kind of seems like that's trending towards maybe a game-time decision. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen throughout uh, Beamer's tenure so far that he plays it close to the vest um, unless it's someone that's like very obviously out for several weeks or whatever like Dawkins and, and Rucker have been. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see. I Like you said, Huntley would be really good for depth. I mean, Tonka Hemingway has been playing really well, uh, but you'd like, you know, to have both, especially against a run game like Texas A&M's. Um, on the other side... Similarly, uh, Jimbo Fisher's been kind of coy about um, injuries. So I talked to um, Mark, Mark Passwaters, yeah, who is the publisher at com on Rivals. Uh, and he – so the big question is who's going to start a quarterback? Um, and he tends to think, or at least um, Fisher seems to emphasize that it's going to be Haynes King, but – you know, it's kind of uh, still up in the air. He got injured there against Alabama and was kind of hobbled. Um, and they also have a five-star or 
is he four star, but number one uh, dual rated uh, quarterback in the 2022 class, Connor Wegman being in the wings. So maybe this is the time that we see him. Maybe you see a little bit of both. Who knows? Um, I'm sure South Carolina is preparing for both. Um, both are pretty mobile if King is healthy. Um, so I, I think we're going to see something sort of similar to Arkansas, where you are going to have to make sure that you contain the run, uh, which they didn't do so well against Arkansas, and that while neither quarterback is KJ Jefferson, um, you know, they're mobile enough and Devin A. Chain is at least on Rocket Sanders level, if I, I would say arguably better, at least arguably more dangerous um, to break like a 80 yard touchdown run or whatever. He's um, an explosive runner for yeah. sure. Uh, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say other injuries for Texas A&M because they actually do have quite a few. Um, their number one wideout, Anaya Smith, is out for the year after he broke his leg against Arkansas. Their left tackle, Trey Zoon, is questionable for the weekend. Actually, their O-line's pretty beat up, so both left guards, Aki Ungumbayi, I don't know if I said that right, that's a tough name, and Jordan Moko uh, might be done for the year too, is what Passwater said. Um, Bryce Foster is their center, suffered a knee injury against Alabama. He came back in, but we'll have to kind of see if he's good to go after the, the layoff. And then all-SEC right guard, Layden Robinson, He's expected to play, but he's been dealing with an ankle injury all year. So their uh, their front is, is really beat up, um, which could work to South Carolina's advantage because, as we said, um, they're, they have a great running back. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. And really, these two, these two teams seem very similar to me in their strengths on both sides of the ball, and that'll be kind of something that we get into a little bit deeper here. But um, both – don't really want to rely on their quarterback uh, to get into like some sort of come from behind situation where they have to pass. Um, and both have had their struggles on the offensive line, but done enough uh, to win some ball games with the run game. Yeah, we talked about it Georgia State week. They passed that test. We talked about it Arkansas week. They very didn't fell behind 21-3. This is a game script, very important game. Both teams want to run the ball, whether that's A-Chain or Lloyd. Um, this is a game where you do need to start quick. And I know they did at Kentucky. They got the seven, nothing on the first offensive play after the fumble Lloyd scored, but I don't think either offense is going to be super equipped to come from behind here. I know A&M did come back from 14, nothing down against Arkansas, but they had a defensive touchdown in there. Um, offensive wise, I really, this, this, this feels like a game that ends up, we'll do score predictions later in the high teens, low twenties, not as many possessions with both teams running the ball. Um, and that just makes it all the more important to kind of limit mistakes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't see this one or I see this one as getting into a like sort of dogfight situation. I don't see either team sort of pulling away, but I do think if either team falls behind by yeah multiple scores, like you said, um, it does get either offense is too equipped to come back from that. Now, um, of course, both are coming off of a bye week. Both are coming off of probably their best game of the season. Um, South Carolina, of course, with the win at Kentucky and Texas A&M with the near loss at Alabama, um, which I have some of the highlights playing on our YouTube channel, which, by the way, if you are listening to this on um, Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever, great. Thank you. Appreciate it. But also we all we go live on our YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff every week whenever we do this. So um, check that out. I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I really think you talk about the Kentucky game. This it's kind of sort of what I wrote about for the preview dropping later in the week. This game sets up very, very similarly than the, as the Kentucky game. Kentucky had Chris Rodriguez. If you stop him, you're going to win the game. South Carolina pretty much did. His yard total looked good, but he didn't break any explosive runs. He didn't score. In this game, you stop the run, you're probably going to win. Um, the Kentucky game, again, similar, low-scoring, 20s, high teens. Um, this does – I'm not going to use the words copy and paste because you have to change your game plan, obviously. This feels like a game where if South Carolina – plays the way it did in Lexington, maybe with only one turnover instead of two. There's no reason they can't win this game, but it's going to have to look kind of the same way it did last time. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it does seem like we're a little bit of a broken record, but 
the key to a lot of these SEC games, except until you get to like Tennessee, uh, is stop the run and run the ball well. <laughs> um, and that's what they're going to have to do this week uh, as well. And and the run the ball well is something that I think they can exploit against Texas A&M. So when I was looking up the season stats or whatever for my own preview of South Carolina that I wrote for the Texas A&M site, because um, we do an other site article, which you can find um, Texas A&M's version on GameCockScoop.com right now. And then I'm going to post mine on the insiders forum later today. But anyway, um, the one the thing that I noticed is Texas A&M has given up like 180 yards on the ground or 160, one of the two, um, per game. And it does seem like that that's been sort of their weakness. They have a very talented defensive front from a like star rating perspective, but they're pretty young. Um, and generally, I, if South Carolina fans remember this from like Jadavian County or whatever, generally as freshmen, you can have like these five-star Feynman, but they and they, they can be very good in pass rush, and these these guys are. Um, but they sometimes struggle to hold up against SEC offensive lines. Um, so that'll be kind of a key battle to watch here is whether or not South Carolina's offensive line, which has been playing a lot better over the last three games, can sort of lean on the inexperience of Texas AM and get the run game going with Marshawn Lloyd. I know over the last I don't know if Three. I thought maybe eight games against Texas A&M and maybe all of the games against Texas A&M. I don't know if they've broken a hundred yards rushing. Um, well, they definitely didn't last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll have to look up specifically if it's the team hasn't broken a hundred yards or if they haven't had a hundred yard rusher, it's one of the two, but either way they've, they've struggled against, or they've struggled running the ball against Texas A&M and they're going to have to kind of flip that script if they're going to win this one. Yeah, that AM secondary is talented. Um, it's deep. You know, you know, they've forced, I think it's 10 turnovers on the year. I've got eight fumbles forced. Um, not all those from the secondary, but just in general, that's kind of where that's kind of where the game is for AM in the secondary. And South Carolina's, I don't think they're gonna have a ton of success throwing the ball. It kind of isn't the identity of this offense anyway. That's something Marcus Satterfield said this week. Um, he actually used that word exactly. He said that needs to be the identity when someone asked about running the ball. Um, and this just does feel like a game. I don't know. The perimeter is another one to keep an eye on, you know, perimeter blocking. That's something Shane Beamer's talked about a lot. A&M's pretty good on that side. They've got two pretty good corners on the outside. I don't know if this is a game where you're throwing a bubble screen to Antoine Wells and he's taking it 50 yards again. I'm not sure if that's going to be, I don't want to say a possibility, but that's going to be within the realm here. So you're going to have to find other ways to do it. And the flip side of that, the screen passes is a chain is, Second leading receiver in terms of receptions for AM. They throw a lot of those. And we saw Charlotte exploit that. We saw Georgia exploit that. And South Carolina is going to have to be ready for that um, in the passing game. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, again, something that would be helped by having Alex Huntley back. But um, South Carolina struggled at times to get much pressure without bringing blitzes. But then the flip side of that is on these second and third and long situations when they brought the blitzes they've been exploited in the screen game so that'll definitely be something to watch out for um but i don't know about you i'm excited you're about to see a crazy atmosphere uh, at williams bryce stadium on saturday night um everyone's gonna have all day to get nice and uh, lubricated as we were saying and uh cory rucker yeah and yeah i mean shane beamer even said on tuesday that uh, everyone had kind of earned the right to have a big game like this. And this is a big game. It may not look like a big game from a national perspective, although um, I've been listening to, you know, my normal rotation of national uh, football podcasts and stuff, and and they've all pretty much mentioned it. You got a primetime SEC game. Um, and like I said, you win this one, you're probably ranked with two winnable games after that. Um, it's It does really feel like a crux point at this point in the season of are you going to go six and six again, or do you start to dream about eight or nine wins? You know, nine's a stretch. Nine might be a little much, but yeah, eight for sure. Like if you beat a and you're talking about Missouri and Vanderbilt the next two weeks, the only two teams in the sec without a league win that gets you to seven is if you take care of business there at that point, you're on a six game winning streak. Um, Cause you started one and two and yeah, there's no reason you can't go to Florida and get to eight, uh, but that does start Saturday night. And yeah, this is not to sound too much like a coach. This is what you want. This is a big game Saturday night. SEC Network's here. Um, it's an opponent they've never beaten before. It's a chance to. I 
I'll let fans decide if they think it's a signature win or not. Like that's up to you to decide personally. Um, but it is still an opponent they've never beaten, one they've played a lot and not had a lot of success against. Um, and it's still a name brand or whatever you want to call it, and a talented roster coming in. Yeah, as far as trends go, you kind of have like uh, two that are working against each other, and it's going to be interesting to see which one wins out. So uh, you you wrote here in the game notes, South Carolina is 5-0 and under Beamer in the Beamer era when they have extended time to prepare for a game, um, including last week against Kentucky. And they are 0-8 all-time against Texas A&M. Um, they haven't beaten Texas A&M since they joined the conference, and they've been their sort of cross-divisional rival. Um, we were talking in, in the Slack chat, and Steven Anderson, who uh, covers um, like national perspective stuff and then women's basketball and baseball and stuff for GameCucksGroup.com, was saying this is one of the last opportunities perhaps uh, – to break that streak or not you know not last opportunities because they're still going to play but once texas and oklahoma join who knows what the structure is going to look like are they still going to play texas a&m every year so um if you don't get them in the next couple then it may be a while yeah and i know that that does matter to kids on this team you know we heard some of the older players on the team zach pickens was one of them talking about how um they just this is one they want they've never had it before um yeah, maybe that's not the same as beating Clemson or beating Georgia or however else you want to bracket those. But this this is one the players want. It's one they've never had, and I think it's gettable, especially at home. And you're right, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. State Fair Day Saturday night. It's should be a pretty good home field environment. I think ar- arguably it's going to be the best atmosphere of the Shane Beamer era thus far. I mean, maybe Clemson last year. You you kind of heading into that game thought that you had um, some potential to compete and it was a night game and stuff, but um, especially if you, yeah, make it through the first quarter and start strong, which we've talked about them struggling doing. Um, I think that place could get really rowdy. You might feel the the press box shake a little bit, which will be fun. Yeah. Uh, actually the Clemson points a good one. Um, Cause someone did ask Shane Beamer on the Sunday teleconference about handling success and how there were different points last year where you felt like they were doing that and when you felt like they weren't. Um, and he mentioned the Clemson game as a point where he thought the team had positive momentum and people, maybe outside people, tell them they were great and they didn't handle it well. After that Auburn win, they got bowl eligible. That was kind of a big deal. And then they flatlined the next week. And he mentioned that that's something that can't happen again this week. And we won't know until they take the field Saturday, but I think that's actually unintentional. You, you bring up a good point. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as someone who's followed South Carolina for my entire life, um, it's been a long, long time since they had an opportunity like that in front of them, especially at home, and followed through with it. I mean, the last time I can think of is it was 2018, I think, or 2019. I can't remember the exact year, but it was whatever year was following um, Will Muschamp's nine-win season. Um, They had Kentucky at home, and it sort of felt like an opportunity to get a signature win, um, sort of set yourself up in the upper half of the SEC East or whatever, and they kind of fell on their face, lost to Kentucky in that situation. Um, now, last week, obviously, they followed through, um, but you know they were an underdog, and there were some other sort of circumstances with the quarterback situation at Kentucky that kind of gives you some asterisks i guess to add to that game but um this one you know you 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 have that opportunity again and if you follow through with it i think it does kind of shift the national perspective and the local perspective of south carolina and the the growth of the program under beamer thus far no it's it's kind of it's what i said to you before kentucky you know it's what conversations can we have on sunday when we do this again right are we talking about all right four and three step back probably beat Missouri and Vanderbilt to get to a bowl, but maybe it doesn't go any further than that. Or are we waiting for an AP poll to drop with South Carolina in it and talking about a seven and two start and whatever else you want to use the word dream. That's fine. Um, whatever else you want to kind of go to from there. It's this game determines a lot of what you actually can talk about or think about for the last five games of the schedule. Yeah. And, um, you know, recruiting is part of that too. Uh, the 2023 class is almost, full you would say um it's still rated very well i haven't looked lately since there's been a couple of um 
new additions to some other teams, but last I looked, they were in the teens in the rivals rankings for the 2023 class uh, with some upsides still there. If you, you know, get Harbor to land in the boat. Um, but you also have plenty of 2024 and 25 guys that are going to be on campus this week. And this is a great environment or can be a great environment and could be a great win for them to see as they forward as well. I know uh, Beamer kind of mentioned recruiting a little bit this week when he was talking about the SEC East. I mean, <laughs> that 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 uh, lineup is not getting any easier in the SEC East oh, right wow. after Tennessee uh, pulled off the win that they did uh, against Alabama last week. So now you have you know Tennessee, Georgia as the top two teams in the SEC with Alabama right there too. Um, it's possible that both of them are going to be in the playoff conversation late into the season. Um, it's, yeah. It's, it's not getting any easier. And you have Oklahoma, Texas joining in a few years. Um, so Beamer and staff, I think, definitely recognize how important recruiting is. Um, they're emphasizing it the right way. They're, they're building, but it's going to be an ongoing battle for sure. Yeah, it's funny you talk about, I didn't even think about that, but you talk about like Tennessee, South Carolina could have two shots at the end of the year to spoil someone's college football playoff chances, getting Tennessee and Clemson back to back. Like that could still, I'm not going to do that now. I don't like litigating playoff rankings anyway, but especially in October, but it's why you didn't even think of it, but yeah, you might be going to something there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, home game, so you never know. And then rivalry game so but yeah we'll we'll talk about that when the time comes um so let's get back to the game itself uh like we said it's kind of simple but number one key is going to be stopping Devin a chain um a lot of that's going to come down to the defensive line and the linebackers playing as well as they did last week which i thought that might have been their best game in like four or five years <laughs> last week um Sherrod green played very well um the who not brad johnson who's been playing a lot debo yeah debo williams played well uh there's someone else it's fine um we'll we'll get back to it um but yeah the the linebackers are gonna have to step up again in this one and then you just have to force whoever it is haynes king or connor wegman into some uh third and long situations and hope that you can beat up on this uh offensive line that's got a bunch of injuries that are ran down at the beginning of the show um, and continue to create some sacks and some turnovers and some havoc and hope that you can follow a similar script that you did two weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's fair to expect, excuse me. Wow. I don't think it's fair to expect like six sacks in a game again. That's crazy. They kind of, I don't want to say got them all at once, but they had five, the first five and they got six in a game at Kentucky. That's probably not happening again, but the flip side of that is they should be able to generate pressure against this offensive line. They have been finishing plays more. That was something Clayton White talked about Wednesday, that they're actually they're they're getting the same amount of pressure, but now they're starting to finish. And in a game, again, in a game like this, where I do think it's going to be limited possessions, I do think scoring is going to be at a premium. Three or four sacks could be, depending on when you time them and how you time them. Um, yeah, that could make the difference in this game. And I expect, again, I expect another big Jordan Birch game. We talked about that going into Kentucky. Like he had a sack there. Um, Gilbert Edmond has been playing well lately. Had a sack at Kentucky. We had it was all four defensive linemen starters had a sack at Kentucky, right? Yep, all four and Shred Green. I, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. Obviously, that's kind of crazy, but consistent pressure on a young quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback, whoever it is, and you might be sitting pretty here defensively at least. Yeah, and I I, I do think the turnover battle is going to continue to be story here i mean south carolina has forced a lot of turnovers the last few weeks um after starting off pretty slow there they only had one in the first three games um but they're still minus six in the turnover ratio because they've been uh giving up a lot of turnovers as well and and texas a&m forced four turnovers against alabama um so they've shown a propensity to do so especially in the secondary and yeah my big concern is you know what's the game plan going to be because against Kentucky, it seemed like early, um, whoever it was Satterfield or Rattler, you know, I, I don't know if it's the play call or the, or the read, but they were trying to attack the deep zone uh, and it was not working out. Um, Rattler looked very flustered. He uh, was turning the ball over. Um, and then finally they sort of settled in, took with the zone, gave them, ran the ball and then, you know, uh, passed it short for first downs when they needed to. And of course it helps when you throw a screen that 
turns into a 40 something yard touchdown. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm interested to see how much they will try to test uh, the second day of the deep ball. Um, I would think not much unless they are forced to by falling behind or something. Um, and and Spencer take better care of the football. Yeah. And you know what it is though? I really, I don't even think that's, I don't want to say needed because you got to do it a couple times, but you know, for example, if you read my advanced stats piece um, that goes up every Monday after games, South Carolina ran the ball 10 out of 11 times on the first play of the drive against Kentucky. And they averaged more than 10 yards of carry on those a couple chunk plays kind of skewing the average Marshawn Lloyd took one for 45 yards. But in general, the game plan, literally every drive except one was to run the ball to start and it found good success. I don't necessarily know why you go away from that against a team that skews its defense or its defensive success towards its secondary and maybe has been bullied at the offensive line. Let's face it, App State had the ball more than 40 minutes in that game where they beat Texas A&M. That was a Sunbelt offensive line that just kind of took over the game, especially on the ground. Um, and if South Carolina's offensive line plays the way it did against Kentucky, I especially, you know, Javon Gwynn was SEC offensive lineman of the week. I don't really know what a and going to be able to do about that. Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked like they uh, have a lot of talent on the defensive front, um, but yeah, it's still young. Um, so yeah, what do you how 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 much can they hold up, um, and how much pressure can they create against Spencer Rattler? Which yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, so more like big picture, what what is your <laughs> prediction for this one how do you see it going i mean we talked about what the keys are we and it does seem like they're kind of mirror images of each other in some ways so if you had to you know give your guess or your prediction what would it be uh my one other note on the game we didn't get to actually didn't put it in the notes but AN has been prone to some special teams mistakes this year they had a kick block to return for a touchdown against mississippi state um pete lembo we know the deal there we talked about it a lot but he might be in for another big week and in the tight games for special teams could batter. So I wanted to throw that in that they have had a kick, kick block this year. I just think this is a game South Carolina finds a way to get done. Um, I expect it to be close. Uh, here's a question for you. Do you know how many snaps South Carolina has played this year in the fourth quarter in a one score game? Um, probably none. It's one. It was a five-point game going to the fourth quarter to Arkansas. Arky scored on the first play of the fourth. And then state. Yeah, it, it was gone very quickly, but yeah, you're right. It was one. <laughs> so point being, they haven't played one of these tight one-score games, five minutes left, a two-minute drill at the end. I do think that happens this week. And I'm going to say South Carolina wins this 23-20, maybe a late Mitch Jeter field goal. Yeah, I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how this team responds if it is a fourth quarter game. I mean, it definitely helps to be home, at home if it's, you're going to have your first um, sort of close game, have that home crowd behind you. But they haven't really, like you said, they haven't felt that pressure late. Um, all their wins and all their losses have sort of felt wrapped up by then. Um, the The special teams thing you mentioned, one other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, – Texas A&M, I believe, scored on a punt return last year. Um, and yep. uh, they've Devin A. Chain has had some success uh, in the return game, so that'll be another thing to watch. I mean, obviously, Mitch Jeter um, made it an emphasis to not let uh, Barry, Barry Brown. Barry, yeah, Barry and Brown last week um, hurt them, or two weeks ago hurt them. And I'm sure that they're going to try to do the same this week, but that'll be, that'll be something to watch. Um, my prediction was very similar to yours. I think I said South Carolina 24, Texas A&M 21. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really just the home field. I think if, uh, this was at Texas A&M, I'd probably pick a, the exact opposite score. Um, but I, I, I think it's time. I, th I think that they, uh, have all of the elements kind of working to their advantage right now. Um, I am really interested to see what happens at quarterback for Texas A&M. Um, I, I think the matchup favors South Carolina if it's Haynes King, honestly, um, because you have more film on him. Uh, he seems like he's a little bit hobbled, so I don't know how much he's going to hurt you with his legs. Whereas we don't know much about Wegman except for that he's uh, pretty, pretty athletic. Um, and that's been kind of a recipe for disaster for South Carolina at times is uh, an athletic mobile quarterback. Um, so if they just got back there and ran zone read all night or whatever, that could be 
problematic. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how that that plays out. Yeah, 24, 21. I just think you have to absolutely, and we both picked this, stay at close to even game script. I do. I think you said this earlier. I think if either team goes up by double digits in this game, it's going to be over. Over might be dramatic, but very difficult to come back, I should say. Um, I think this is one you got to find a way to keep within the score in e- on either direction. Um, or else it could be another one of those fourth quarter games that's kind of already decided. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we will keep you updated on that. Definitely check out GameCoxGroup.com during the game if you want a place to just hang out and talk uh, football because we have both of us uh, in the live thread. Um, might have intern Caroline in the live thread a little bit. Um, Pauline's going to be taking some pictures. So be good. Um, all right. You want to talk about some – was there anything else from this game that you wanted to mention before we go to the uh, I think we level? covered it. Just I'm looking forward to Saturday night and seeing a really big game environment here. Yeah, I think that it's going to definitely be biggest since you've been there. So um, I'm excited to hear your reviews on Sunday. By the way, we'll hop on here on Sunday, um, Sunday morning usually or around noon or so to talk uh, the result, whichever way it goes. So heads up on that. All right, let's talk some national perspective. Obviously, you got Clemson and Syracuse. Um, maybe Clemson's last test before South Carolina, they don't get Notre Dame this year, do they? They do, but oh. Notre Dame's three and three and can't right. score. Um, yeah, I mean, Syracuse, it's one of those things where I, I watched a little bit of that game. That was, a, first of all, an unbelievable Saturday to not be at a South Carolina game last week. That was a perfectly timed bye week, just sitting there in the 330 window watching Bama, Tennessee, and TCU, Oklahoma State went into double overtime and just kind of soaking it all in. Um I think Clemson's fine here playing at home. Syracuse caught a big break last week with Devin Leary being, being out. Um, I think they're like 14-point favorites in an undefeated matchup, Clemson. And I actually picked them to cover, I think, in our staff picks. Yeah, I uh, you you have Clemson covering. Is that what you mean? Yeah, Clemson to cover. Yeah, I think I'm going to Clemson to win, but I'm going to pick Syracuse to cover, which, by the way, in the staff picks, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm making a little bit of a comeback. Yeah, it's getting <laughs> tight up there. I was very behind there for a bit, but I'm only three behind you in the straight picks now and five behind you against the spread. Um, So, yeah, I I do think ultimately that Clemson's probably going to win, but I I don't know. Syracuse is, I don't know if you've paid attention to them much this year, but they're a little bit different identity-wise than they've been. Um, They're very much like ball control, grind It's like Sean Tucker, right? Um, Yeah. And so I could see them, you know, losing by 10 or something (laughs) just because uh, they're going to, be somewhat effective uh just like holding the ball for a while so um you've got Ole Miss and LSU uh which that line's kind of swung back and forth uh, I believe it opened with Ole Miss as the favorite now LSU is like a one and a half or two point favorite something like that what are you thinking on that one I gotta be honest I think Ole Miss is still pretty overrated um they gave up 34. They had a chance to really bury Auburn last week. They let him back in the game twice. They had a 21 nothing lead, and they think they took it back out to 14 or 17. They let Auburn get within a score again in the fourth quarter. Um, I think LSU can score enough points at home and make this a shootout and win it like 34-31, 38-35 type deal. Um, and historically speaking, undefeated Ole Miss teams do not do well in Baton Rouge. So... Yeah, I mean, I think historically speaking, almost no one does well in Baton Rouge. But <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a tough place to win. Um, that's the three thirty CBS game, right? So yep, uh, yeah, good slot for that one. Um, I think I'm going to pick Ole Miss, but I don't feel good about it. I think that they're probably the better team. They've definitely been the most consistent team uh, throughout the year, um, but. There's just such, such juju at home for LSU that it is kind of it, it makes me nervous to pick that one. That's a scary game for sure. Um, out in the Pac-12, we got the uh, Chip Kelly Bowl. So you got <laughs> UCLA um, at Oregon. They are Oregon's favorite by six, and that one that one's another tough one for me to pick. It, it feels. Like um, UCLA is probably the better team. Maybe it's at least, but it's at Oregon. Um, Chip Kelly, I don't think, has beaten Oregon since he left. Um, I might pick UCLA in that one, though. I think I'm. I 
don't remember what I put on the sheet, but I think I have Oregon winning, but UCLA covering. I think that's another close game. Uh, Bo Nix is a lot better at home than on the road. That game's obviously in Eugene. Um, yeah, I guess I kind of have a bit of a blood week going here. You undefeated UCLA down, undefeated Ole Miss down, and undefeated's going to lose in Syracuse Clemson, so that doesn't count. But I guess I have three of the remaining nine undefeateds losing. Actually, I have our picks pulled up, and yeah, that's exactly, exactly. You have Oregon winning, but covering or not covering. Um, and I'm noticing so far that we have the first three games that we've looked at, I have a different take. So here we mm, go. Standings like it's real tight now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a bit of a cloud. Um, I was blistering out of the gate the first five weeks. Last two weeks, I've kind of gone cold. See what happens. Last week, last week was a struggle for me, like actual betting. Um, I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I hit like eight <laughs> uh, two weeks ago. Like I hit like a parlay of three and a parlay of five two weeks ago. I can't remember what all they were. Um, but last week I like fell flat on my face. That's the way it goes, though. That's why Vegas makes so much money. Um, Towers don't build themselves. <laughs> we got uh, Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, we have them favored by five, but that line's moved. I'm pretty sure. I think they're. Yeah, I don't understand that line, and it now. scares me. I just don't get that. I watched Texas last week. They were kind of lucky to beat Iowa State. They scored late and also got kind of a, I'll just call it a very shaky ref call on a non-targeting. Um, I feel like that's a bounce back spot for Oklahoma State coming home, but I have no idea. Yeah, and also how much of last week's struggles with Texas were their, like, were their sort of wake-up game, you know, maybe – they got that scare in them, and now they're going to play a little better at Oklahoma State, too. I don't know which way I'm going to go on that one yet. I think I'm going to pick Texas, but not to cover, especially at seven. I mean, I might pick them to cover at five, which is what we have in the dock. But, um, yeah, that's going to be tough. Uh, the other game I want to talk about just for the line, um, I think pretty clearly we're all going to pick Bama, but the line – kind of stood out to me that Bama is favored by 21 against Mississippi State. How are you feeling about that line? Yeah, I think that might be – I think I actually did pick Bama to cover just because I think they come out very angry about last week and drop a bomb on Mississippi State, especially in Tuscaloosa. Um, but I think that line's being influenced maybe a little bit too much by Mississippi State just not showing up in Lexington last week. Um, I do think Mississippi State's better than they played in that game, but I also think angry Alabama's the worst – possible team you can run into i know i'm trying to decide how much of this is them like them as in vegas uh sort of relying on people to take bama there because they're like oh well under the saban era after they have their wake-up game they come out and uh what it like once they taste their own blood or whatever like it's a right <laughs> um so i mean i this is one of the games that I picked against my friend. Um, shout out to Roach. Um, and I did pick Bama to cover that 21, but I don't feel great about it. But I I am going off the narrative, basically, that I think Saban's probably been on their ass all week. And it's going to... They had, what, 17 up. penalties last week? They lead the. They don't lead the nation in penalties. They're like eighth in penalties or something right now. I think they lead the SEC there. right yeah. now. But either way, Saban mad. The CPC is going to have a bad time, I think. Um and Leach has really struggled against them. Yeah. And then is that, that's a night game, right? Going to miss that? That's 7 I o'clock, I think. don't have the time on it, but that sounds right. Um, yeah. Any other games from this week? I, you got Minnesota-Penn State. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think Penn State's fraudulent, but we'll win. I think that's the whiteout game, actually, because the Ohio State game is like a noon game with the Fox or whatever, so they wanted it for a night game. So it's a cool environment. But there's a lot of good G5s this week that I probably won't get to watch, but like – I don't know. UAB Western Kentucky is a fun styles clash. We had Georgia State and App last night, which got away. Troy and South Alabama tonight. That's, I read that, that was might, the, that's that might good, be a yeah, battle that, for the Sun Belt. I um I think I read that's the first ever sellout for South Alabama at their new stadium. It's a rivalry game too. Um, I think they're five and one, and Troy's five and two. Or maybe I have that backwards, but that's a good game tonight. Yeah, um, whoever wins that's in the driver's seat for, for, sure. Belt, for um, sure that's looking forward to watching they got georgia tech virginia tonight too um brent key trying to go three and oh as an interim yeah it seems like they've kind of rallied around him a little bit um, maybe they win and... the coastal <laughs> <laughs> i think they might i i mean i think that's probably going to be north carolina but yeah they're at three and oh now i know it's crazy though if you look at the rest of north carolina's schedule i'm like uh they could win all of these or they could lose all of these like yep. that whole i mean that's 
that division has been that way for a long time, right? You have the circle of suck where everyone kind of loses <laughs> to each other and yeah, kind of cannibalizing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the big 12 has kind of been that way so far too. Uh, you do have K state, uh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. It's about. a good game. Um, K state, a very sneaky five and one right now, I think. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Martinez is playing great. That's a, I can't remember what I put on the sheet, but that's a good game too. You have TCU and you have them covering the four and a half, but okay. Uh, yeah. Take the frogs at home. That's I might, probably valid. I might go against you there. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pick K state outright, but I might pick them to cover. Four and a half, yeah. I mean, you catch a 27, 23 or something. You could, yeah, he could steal that. Definitely. Um, all right. Anything else that you want to talk about from what are we in? Week seven? Week eight? eight? Week eight. Bye week. Yeah. No, I think we're good. Um, it's, it's a good weekend of college. They're all good weekends of college football, but this is a good one too. Um, get to the game safely if you're driving in. There's going to be state fair traffic as well as game traffic. So go early and figure it out. I know they sent the university put out a thing about how there's different parking maps this week and stuff. So take it, keep an eye on that if your regular parking lot's being moved or whatever. And um, everybody enjoy the game. We'll see you back Sunday. Yeah, and the next couple of days, we'll still have plenty more to preview. You got Alan's final preview, which will go live Saturday morning. Uh, weekly recruiting wrap-up tomorrow, which will have most of the visitors list on it then. Um, you got Coach Perry McCarty, who's still breaking down the key players on offense and defense for Texas A&M. Um, like I said, we got a little bit of men's basketball coverage as we sort of ramp up on that. Look out next week. Um, Alan and I will hop on and do a men's basketball preview uh, because we're only, what, two weeks away, three weeks away from uh, men's basketball season, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And yeah, in the meantime, go check out GamecockScoop.com. Read all the cool stuff from the great staff over there, including Alan. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday morning to talk Aggies and Gamecocks. Till then, see ya.